Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Oh, do we have a good time on this show. And the time only gets better. Tudor Dixon ran for governor of the great state of Michigan. Lost to the Gretch. The wretch that is the Gretch. Gretchen Whitmer, we're going to have her join. Jake McKetty's going to join us. And we're going to talk about all the craziness going on in college athletics. The latest craziness, I don't know if you saw this, it broke during our show yesterday. Jalen Carter, the potential number one draft choice in the NFL draft, was getting ready to speak at the Combine yesterday around 10, 30, 11 o'clock. Sudden, porters gathered, people around, everybody wants to hear from Jalen Carter. Well, guess what? Jalen Carter was not there. He has been charged. An arrest warrant has been issued with basically drag racing, endangerment, all kinds of misdemeanors relative to the death of one of his teammates in the horrific crash right after the national championship. Now, as I mess around with my thingamajiggy here, Jalen Carter released a statement yesterday. Let's hear or let's see from Jalen Carter. This morning, I received a phone call from the Athens, Georgia Police Department informing me that I, or excuse me, that two misdemeanor warrants have been issued against me for reckless driving and racing. Numerous media reports also have circulated this morning containing inaccurate information. I'm stunned. Concerning the tragic events of January 15. 2023. It's my intention to return to Athens to answer the misdemeanor charges against me and to make certain that the complete and accurate truth is presented. There's no question in my mind that when all of the facts are known, I will be fully exonerated of criminal wrongdoing. That is a statement by Jalen Carter. It's going to be interesting to see where this falls because by all accounts, they, the Athens police, waited until they had all the video evidence. Now, you guys know this. If you are somewhere and you go from, let's say, downtown to out of downtown, all the different stores have cameras. And when you're in an area like a middle of a college campus, they have cameras outside because a lot of them have seating area. It's my understanding that the police decided to get the camera angles from every possible place they could, whether it was a bank across the street, whether it was a house, whether it was a business. And they parsed it all together and came to the conclusion that Carter was drag racing and was involved, at least in some way, at minimum drag racing, at maximum involved in the deaths of two people. Now, we shall see what we shall see, and it does not say in any of this that he is being charged with any type of homicide or any type of manslaughter or any type of murder. So I think people need to relax on that a little bit, but we shall see what we shall see. And again, I go to this. I could not live with myself. It would be very difficult 
if I was involved in something, some way, whether it was bringing a gun to a scene or whether it was in a drag race where people lost their lives. But let's be honest, uh, I don't think most folks know exactly what is transpiring here. So I think he is right. There has been a lot of misinformation. I have seen where Jalen Carter was going to be charged with kind of reckless homicide, that kind of thing. And that's just not true. I mean, it's this—it's certainly not true as we sit here right now. Now, who knows what comes from that? A um, couple of things. John Morant. Man, oh, man, I hate to see this. Everybody that gets some notoriety has to act in a certain way. I talk about this all of the time. White kids when they play basketball, want to act black. White kids, when they are radio hosts, change how they talk when they have a black host. I used to say this all the time to the guys on my station. Why do you change the way you talk when you speak to an African-American kid? You know, uh, soft kids want to be hard. And there it is, right there. Ja Morant. Now, you got to understand something about Ja Morant. Ja Morant, apparently, by all accounts, has a great family. John Morant's dad, of course he has lost his mind just a tad, and he thinks he's the new Drake. John Morant's been in a lot of crap. Now, John Morant may be and could be, if he he is smart enough, to stay out of trouble, which apparently he can't, but John Morant is accused of punching a teenager, and this is where it gets a little stupid, if it wasn't stupid already. He gets... um, charged with punching a teenager 12 to 13 times during a pickup basketball game at Morant's house. The kid, Hensley Cladesey, the teenager, said Morant went into his house after hitting him and reemerged with a gun visible in the waistband of his pants and his hand on the weapon. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're my next door neighbor. I don't care if you are my brother, my sister, or John Morant. If we've had a hassle and you come out, you come out of your house with a gun in your pants and your hand on that gun, I got to tell you, there's a part of me that's fearing for my life. Now, you can say, well, you're soft. Yes, I am soft. I am 60 years old, and there is nobody softer than me. I want that out there. I've never tried to be hard. I just tell you who I am, and if you like it, you like it. But also, Morant said this. Hey, he swung first. No, I'm sorry. Morant said that he swung first. Morant, I swung first, but he thought the kid was the aggressor because he threw the ball at Morant's head and then stepped up to him pulling up his pants. The kid alleges he was checking the ball. All right. Morant alleges the kid said, I'm going to come back and light this place up like fireworks. And Morant fired, filed his own police report weeks later saying the boy threatened his family. Local prosecutors declined charges, and the office said there wasn't enough evidence to compete. Now look, Moran also was threatening the head of security in a mall. He was threatening a Paul Blart mall walker, Mark Mall Cop. 
during an altercation in the parking lot when a member of Moran's group shoved him in the head. The security guard. The alleged event occurred after Morant, his mother, got into a dispute with an employee at the finish locker, then called Moran, who arrived at the store with as many as nine other people. They refused to leave when confronted by the head of security. Let me find out what time he gets off. Man. Uh, Of course, Morant's agent said the allegations, uh, yeah, they're just not true. This all flies on the heels of this guy, Morant, doing one of, a, one of the really sinister things. I mean, remember a few weeks ago? Remember a few weeks ago the Pacers were playing and Morant pulled up? After the game, he got aggressive with some, somebody on the Pacers staff and somebody in Morant's SUV allegedly trained a red laser on staffers as it drove by. A security guard with a pacer says, that's 100% a gun. 100%. They thought they were in grave danger. Now, for whatever the reason, the NBA is doing what NBA does with its superstars. It is acquiescing. We have no reason to charge. Police are doing what they do with stars. we have no idea. Now, Morant is one of those guys. He, look at him. He's skinny. What's he going to do? But the truth of the matter is he is trying to act hard. He's trying to act down. He's trying to act hood. I was listening to Shannon Sharp talk about it the other day, and it's really funny. He's like, you don't have to do that. Go the other way. Be an example. Do yourself a favor. Be who you truly are. You don't have to go into, like, being hard. That dude is anything but hard. It, I, t- I, I swear to God, first time I saw him when he shaved, it, never mind, I'm not even going to say it. But everybody make an excuse for the NBA superstar. Can I ask you a question? Is there anything more of a joke than the NBA superstar? Uh, Kevin Durant, wearing his skull cap or whatever, his stocking cap, sitting on the bench looking all solid. By the way, he made his deb- debut yesterday. Scored 29 points. Uh, I'm not mad at LeBron. Like, LeBron is trying really hard. He's another guy that's trying. He's trying to, you know, with his eighth grade or or high school education, he's trying to become a guy that, you know, is a political influencer, and he certainly is. But is there any bigger joke than the NBA superstar? I mean, let's, let's go through the NBA superstar world, right? John Morant. He's got to have his boys, nine of them come. Is there anything more cliche than showing up with nine guys when you're the NBA star? I'll bet you one of them was a little white guy because everybody's got a little white guy around him. Everybody's got Turtle. Turtle abounds in every situation. I remember when we were filming a show movie called Blue Chip, Shaq had Turtle. I go, hey, man, you're a little white guy hangs with. No, man. <laughs> the little white guy took offense to being the little white guy. Everybody's got a little white guy when you're hanging around. But is there anything more cliche than the NBA star showing up with my strap, man? I got one in the hole. Stop it. Just stop it. That's why I like LeBron James. I know we're not supposed to. I know everybody's mad at LeBron James, and that's fine. But it's why I like LeBron James. LeBron James doesn't get involved in this stupidity. LeBron James is trying to conquer the business world. Good for him. But these other idiots, I just can't get, to quote them, I can't get down with them. 
John Moran is a tough guy. His daddy's sitting there on the sideline wearing shades inside the house. There's nothing more pathetic than the NBA superstar. Used to be the NBA superstar acted like a superstar. Isaiah Thomas dressed to the nines, man. Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, my, uh, Magic Johnson, man. I, I don't know what they're doing in their personal life, but they were, they represented, like, stuff, good stuff. And then killed you on the court. These guys now are trying so hard to be something that they are not. One of my favorite people, and I've never met her, is Tudor Dixon. And I'm going to tell you why one of my favorite people is Tudor Dixon. Tudor Dixon ran for governor uh, against Gretchen Whitmer, and she lost. And I am going to, and she does not have to answer this, but I grew up in northwest Indiana, Gary, Indiana. In Gary, Indiana, one of my family friends was not only indicted, charged, and convicted with voter fraud. In fact, the entire town council of East Chicago went to jail. My friend Frankie Kalensis did not go to jail. The night before his sentencing, he took off, had it all set to go to Greece, where he still lives, because you can't, Interpol cannot extradite you from Greece if you are a Greek citizen. A friend of my father's who passed away two days ago, Roland Beckham, came to our house to try to sign up the empty lot next to our house. My dad's like, what are you talking about, Roland? We don't own the empty lot. I contend, and I'm going to ask Tudor this right now. Tudor Dixon, thank you so much for joining us. I got a lot to get into with you because I swear to God, I love talking to smart people that are unafraid. All right, I just went on a deal with voter fraud in my hometown of Gary, Maryville, East Chicago, Indiana. I don't trust elections. I didn't trust your election. You don't have to comment on it, but I don't trust your election. I followed it closely. Well, I think that when you look at elections across the country, we know that voter fraud has always been an issue. There's always some amount of fraud, whether it's on one side or the other, there's always some amount of fraud. And I think this is something that we've been trying to watch more carefully since folks have started to say, how have Democrats taken over in such Republican areas. But in addition to that, I think we have to watch what they're doing, which is really different than what Republicans are doing. In many cases, now in some states this has changed, but in many cases on the Republican side, we're not using technology to our advantage like the Democrats are. And that's something we have to change. We have to take advantage of what we know. We can look into these data companies and say, we can tell from what you're buying, whether or not you lean conservative, and then we can target you with messages that are showing you what Republicans can offer and what Democrats will take away. And that's something we have not been doing, but that's something we need to start doing. You know, it is interesting because um, so many times, so many times, in fact, I'll give you one. I was in Naples over Christmas, and this may not be what you're talking about, but it's kind of, I was in Naples. There was a Arthrax is a company that my daughter's boyfriend works for. We passed this company's headquarters, Arthrax. I think that's what it's called. All of a sudden, I went on Twitter, and there's an ad for Arthrax. So we're being listened to, right? Is that a little bit what you're talking about? Get that data and then figure it out? 
Yeah, as scary as it is, everybody says, I don't want to be tracked. I don't want the government knowing what I'm doing. I hate to tell you, but you're carrying a cell phone everywhere you go. And it's absolutely true that that cell phone is tracking everything you do. So when I talk to some of these data companies, because after you run and you look at different areas, I mean, we do. We look back at what you're exactly saying. How did this happen in this area? And how did this happen in this area? And when you talk to these data companies, they tell you pretty scary stuff. Well, I can tell you this person buys a gun and this person shops at J Crew and this person shops at Walmart. And this is what I can gather from that information about what issues are important to this person. So where you may think you're being very secretive about your views, there are data companies that know everything about you. I mean, you you probably remember when the Google whistleblower came out and said, they have a file on you that tells us everything about you, which is somewhat terrifying. But You also have to think about the fact that this is what Democrats are using. They're using this to win elections. They're going in and essentially opening up your brain and saying, this is what matters to you. So I'm going to keep targeting you with what matters to you. We have to do the same thing or we're not going to win elections. Yeah, you know, it is not just, hey, go door to door and pass out a flyer. I mean, that's part of it, obviously. All right, you're the perfect person to talk about this with me. You have four daughters. They play sports. I have a stepdaughter playing softball at Harvard. I have a daughter that participated in sports. I don't like what's going on. Uh, I call it an assault on children with these drag shows and this craziness. I don't get it. And an assault on women's sports. My wife is a legendary softball player, coach, uh, from Michigan, by the way. And I don't like what's going on here. I don't understand it. I don't like an assault on women, and I don't like an assault on kids, and we're seeing it all across the country, damn near in every area, Tudor. Well, I'll go one step further with you on this, which is really opening this up to my own personal life. But what really shocks me is that we're having these doctors come out and say, these drugs are safe. We can give these kids puberty blockers. We can change their body structure or stop them really from growing. And let me tell you, I am a cancer patient. I, I had hormone positive cancer. So in my late thirties, I had this cancer. And when you have hormone positive cancer, it means that your cancer is essentially growing on the hormones that your body creates. So you think about this, they're suppressing hormones in these young children. So when I had hormone positive cancer, we, I sat down with the doctors at Johns Hopkins and said, you know, uh, other people that I've heard of having this, they've had hysterectomies. Do I need to do that? And they said, We don't want to go to that extreme because taking those hormones out of your system, the benefits do not outweigh the risks. You'll have osteoporosis. You'll have all kinds of problems from doing that. So imagine I'm at this point, I was 40 years old. This is after I'd been through all my surgeries and we were making this decision. At 40 years old, they're telling me there's too many dangers to taking your hormones away that will hurt your body. Why are we doing this to 13-year-old kids that don't understand how the permanent changes will hurt their bodies? Why are doctors not standing up and screaming, no, this is this is malpractice. This is insane. We can't be doing this. We have to make sure that the child gets through puberty and can make these decisions as an adult. And a lot changes 
changes when you're going through puberty. I mean, let's be honest. The person that I was at 13 is not the person I am now, thankfully. <laughs> and I have a 13-year-old daughter at home. So I know that some of the things that she thinks are maybe not the things that she'll think permanently. So it's just one of those things where I'm shocked the medical community hasn't stepped up and said, this is not healthy. It's not okay. We shouldn't be doing it. If they're telling a 40-year-old woman it's too dangerous for you, even though within the next 10 years, I'm going to be going through menopause anyway, and those hormones are going to be diminishing. Why would we allow this to happen to children that are so young? So then it becomes this. Two questions. You made you brought you brought up a great point about the medical community not stepping up here. My question to that is why? Why, in your opinion, is the medical community not stepping up? Second question, I'll just put them together. When did all this start? And what's the end game here? What 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 what, what do people get out of this? I'm not talking about the kids going through it. I'm talking about I guess, a broader picture. Well, look, one of the other things that the left has been so strong with is weaving these messages into everything we do. They're in our television shows, they're in our movies, it's in the news, it's on your social media feed. So you've been kind of conditioned to say, if you are opposing this in any way, then there's something wrong with you, not the other way around. You're the bad person. You should be embarrassed, ashamed. And I think that's really been forcing the medical community to stay quiet because nobody wants to lose their job. They've watched people get kicked out of research projects because they've had a dissenting opinion. I mean, it really is living in fear. Look at, let's take, for example, this election in Chicago that we just had a couple nights ago, where now Lori Lightfoot comes out and she says, well, this is because I'm the first openly gay mayor and a female. And that's why. It certainly couldn't possibly have anything to do with the fact that people are afraid to walk the streets of Chicago. Couldn't have anything to do with the fact that she's like... They should be allowed to loot these stores because they need Gucci purses. You know, it's couldn't it be that. It has got to be the fact that someone is discriminating against her. No, but that fear, none of us want to be in the position where somebody can say, you have bad tendencies toward discrimination. Nobody wants to be that way. So there's a fear in the medical community to stand up and rise up against this. But wh at what point do we say, gosh, we've created such a strong fear now that it's actually dangerous for the youth of our country. And you asked, how did this happen? I mean, I really do think that as I've watched television shows with my girls, I've watched things change just from, you know, my daughter was born and my oldest was born in 2009. So from 2009 to today, I've watched such an extreme change in just the messaging that comes out in these children's shows to push this. So it's being pushed at a young age. It's being pushed on all of us on social media. And it's not a it's actually not a war that conservatives are winning because again if you come out and you say i want to protect kids like oh no you don't you're taking away their affirmation you're hurting them they will commit suicide because you don't agree with this and it's like wait wait you can't win all i ever hear when uh on our show i basically say look let's just understand everything you don't agree with because i'm a Middle-aged white guy is going to be racist, so let's just get that out of the way immediately, right? I mean, if you don't agree with me, I'm racist. You know, call, I, I get called it 10 times a day, but I believe this, Tudor. I, I, I know it's Republican against Democrat. I know it's liberal versus conservative, but I swear to God, I swear to God, the bigger issue, Tudor, is it's insanity versus sanity. That's the—because nobody in their right mind is going to tell me 
two things. One, that the person that wakes up in the morning and says, you know what? I want to dress up as a drag queen and go gyrate in front of kindergartens is a sane person. Nobody's going to convince me of that. No, I don't care. Nobody. Second thing, nobody's going to convince me that, hey, look, little girl, you really are a boy. No, no, really, you're a boy. I, nobody's going to convince me that it, you're it, what you're talking about. So I think this is insanity versus sanity. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I, I've watched people say, I have a, a girlfriend who said, my girls were born at the same time as my in-laws. They, they raised their kids as gender neutral. They never told them their gender. They raised them with no color in the household. Everything was beige. And they were not, even at princess parties for the girls, they weren't allowed to eat a cupcake with a princess on it because mom would say, you know, we don't know what you your gender is yet. I mean, that's almost... That, that's so extreme. You're not allowing your kids to gravitate toward the things that they like. And so you have to say, what is actually happening here? When we've told parents, you have to be so militant about not allowing kids to choose gender-specific toys that you're just so insistent that this is not happening. But then I think that's kind of even washed over into seeing these parents that are taking their children to the shows that you're talking about. Because you can look at that and say, I'm sorry, but if there's a man in a thong and he's dancing around and having children put money in that thong, this, I mean, it's like, how can we argue this is not normal? But somehow we have convinced parents that if you aren't a part of this, that there's something wrong with you that you don't, you're not acceptant of it. Well, no, I'm not acceptant of it. I am not acceptant of a grown man wa walking around in front of my children in less than underwear. And, and doing it as a show, that's crazy. And the fact that I'm saying that's crazy is going to get me in trouble. And, I, you know, at some point, somebody has to stand up and say, no, this is not okay. This is not family-friendly stuff. This is, you're exactly right. Any man who wants to do this, I have to question, why do you want to be in front of children in this way, too? So I think it's incredibly dangerous. I think we have to be prepared to talk back about it. But I'll even say, you know, I, I watched Glenn Youngkin, Governor Youngkin, last night on Fox talking about China. And that's something that we're dealing with here in the state of Michigan right now, because he's talking about this new Chinese battery company. Remember, he said, Ford, you're not bringing this Chinese battery company to the United States, or at least not to Virginia. Well, that was just voted on in Michigan. It will be coming to Michigan. This is another issue that we're not allowed to talk about because I've got people saying, well, this is bigoted that you don't want China here. No, China is, this is not a, a that we're not saying we don't want Chinese Americans in the United States. We're saying we don't want the Communist Party controlling companies on our land or buying up our land. Guess what? The Communist Party of China does not allow the United States to go in there and buy up land. That is not acceptable. So why are why would we allow them to come and buy up land in the United States? Why would we allow them to bring corporations into the United States? And let me top that off with saying they want us to give just about $2 billion of Michigan taxpayer money to this Chinese corporation. And people are going, well, you can't say that you can't do that. Yes, I absolutely can say that I can't do that. And it's so confusing now that we actually had five or six Republicans switch over and vote for this yesterday. And ultimately that passes 
And I'm thinking you had the you had the ability to protect national security. Governor Youngkin said it best when he said, don't ever be romanced by jobs and think that jobs are more important than our national security. And that's something I'm not afraid to talk about. Our national security should be our top concern, because once you've lost that, the beauty of the United States of America and being able to get to do anything you want here, whether I agree with it or anybody agrees with it. Guess what? The Chinese. They don't agree with it. So that will stop immediately if you give up national security. And that's, again, um, that's insanity versus sanity. Sanity says, yes. I have to protect the people that voted me in. Uh, sanity says, I don't want the Communist Party. Insanity says, if you say no, you are a racist. Remember, all of a sudden now it's come out where the Wuhan China virus came from Wuhan, China. I mean, honest to God. And so many people, including the president, were called racist and worse because they said, look, this came from China. It, it, sanity versus insanity. And and the interesting thing is, let's be honest here. We're, we're saying, well, Dr. Fauci is still saying it, doesn't it? Yeah, because Dr. Fauci funded it. Of course, I mean, come on. Yeah, he doesn't want to tell anybody that this is, came from the Wuhan lab. He was involved. Of course, he's going to say it didn't. He's going to stick to that story because that's been his story from the beginning. I believe he's been so close to this because he's protecting himself. He's trying to make sure that he can control the narrative. And now you have agencies. I mean, when the FBI comes out and says, actually, no, this came from China. Okay, so at what point is the United States going to push back? At what point is the United States president going to say to China, we lost a mil over a million people in our country because of you. So what are you going to do to fix this? Instead, we're like, fly a balloon. It's fine. Just take it all across the country. No worries. We'll get to it when it gets to the other ocean. Like Again, I hate to be a broken record, but hey, fly a balloon across our country, get as much data as you can, I assume, and then, ah, okay, we'll shoot it down for you, actually. We'll shoot it down for you. Sanity versus insanity. I'll give you another one. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, the football coach at Michigan, is out there cutting down trees. Terrible storm, down trees. He's serving his neighbor. And old Gretchen Whitmer is, uh, I guess, I, I guess you call it rocking out to little, uh, you know, jagged little pill. 700,000 folks in Michigan left without power and left in the cold. And the governor is dancing while the football coach is working. Right. Let's be clear about something. When it comes to energy, Gretchen Whitmer has gotten what she wanted. She made sure that all of the companies connected to energy gave her money to be reelected. Now she can go to Jagged Little Pill. She doesn't have to worry about the fact that here we are now on day eight. And let me tell you, this is not a national story for some reason, but we still have 20,000 people in Michigan with no power. Day eight. Guess what? It's not summertime here. It's not warm here. These people are in houses that are at 30 degrees. And you know what the, the answer is? We're going to, the, the the energy company is going to give them $35. $35 doesn't replace what was in the freezer. It certainly doesn't replace the broken pipes or whatever is happening or, or the hotel rooms that these people have had to get. Because let's face it, you can't live in 30 degree weather for eight days. But she goes out and she goes to a concert while the Michigan football coach is out in the street actually moving trees so that people can pass and get to their homes. This, why is this not a national story. Why are people not saying, 
what is happening? We've got just a few miles south of this in Ohio, we've got this national disaster that is also being ignored. And then you go, you drive just 50 miles north and we have no power in Michigan for eight days and no one is saying anything. It blows my mind that this could still be happening. I talked to a guy in Monroe, Michigan, just a couple of days ago. And I said, what are you doing? And he said, well, I'm walking around a lot because inside this building right now, it's 52 degrees. I said, no, not what are you doing at this moment? <laughs> what are you guys doing right. to survive? He said, well, I'm I'm at the homeless shelter. And he said, there's no food because all the food's spoiled. So we're trying to figure out how to feed people. And I'm like, how can we not even be talking about this? You've got people in the homeless shelter that have not had food in days because there's everything is spoiled. No national attention. How can this be? Can you imagine if this were happening in Florida or Texas. I mean, remember when the power outage hit Texas and, and Governor Abbott was just the worst man on the planet. No one has said word one about Gretchen Whitmer just standing by while people go eight days with no power. It's again, it's just freaking insane to me. All right. Last thing before I let you go, you mentioned Lori Lightfoot. Some might argue Lori Lightfoot got the job because she was an African-American lesbian woman. I don't know. Now she's saying she didn't get the job, but I will give the people of Chicago credit because 83% got her ass out of there. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, okay. So I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. So I moved to Michigan 20 years ago. I remember every year going down at Christmas time into Chicago, walking and looking at the windows in Marshall Fields, going up and down the Magnificent Mile, kind of a tradition for my family to just spend the day down there. And I've said to my mom, I don't know that I would take the girls to downtown Chicago now. And I think that is the message of so many because I grew up there. I knew a lot of people. I know a lot of people still there. Many over the last four years, I've seen so many of them move out because they're just afraid. They're afraid to walk the streets. And when you live in fear, when crime expands into areas where the people that are voting are, guess what? You get voted out. But the real question is, why are we not concerned when it's in the other areas? And that's the thing that makes me so mad. And let, we can look at Michigan the same way right now, because right now you see these Democrat politicians up in arms about the fact that there was a shooting at MSU. But let me promise you something. There is a shooting every few days, just a few blocks over, and they're not up in arms. So what you're seeing in Chicago is crime actually going into areas where those people are going to vote and they've, they're voting it out. So when are we going to grow to wake up and say, we don't want crime anywhere. We're not going to accept crime in any area. We're not going to allow this soft on crime policy that is allowing people, no matter what neighborhood you live in, to live in fear. We're done with that. And I think that's going to be the message you're going to see in 2024. We're done with rampant crime. We're done with soft on crime policies. We've got to make sure that people in this country can live without fear. You know, it, it, it is amazing. It, it really is when, when at least here in Indianapolis, um, I, I had a long talk with the night commander on the uh, Indianapolis Metropolitan Police Force. I live in the city. And he said, and I think we all know this, he goes, look, Dan, he goes, the prosecutor here is killing people. He's killing people to pander to a community that doesn't want to be pandered to. You know, and he was talking about the African-American community. He goes, look, 
People want crime out of their cities. They don't want a guy like the guy you mentioned in Michigan State who should have been in jail or at least should never have been able to get a gun legally, illegally, whatever. I don't care who you are, white, black, green, it doesn't matter. People want crime. I agree with you. People want crime out of their cities, but we've got these prosecutors. Maybe they're funded by Soros. I'm not smart enough to know that. But these bail release projects are horrible for our cities. Well, look what you have happening in Atlanta right now. You've got Buckhead trying to secede from the city of Atlanta for the exact same reason. They're saying we can't we right. can't we have people breaking into our houses. This is unsafe. So suddenly when you have the people that are allowed that that for some reason have an influence on politicians in a different way, which is really sad and says a lot about these Democrat politicians. Now they're suddenly going, oh, oh well, we don't actually want to lose Buckhead in Atlanta. You have to stay here. Okay, so enforce <laughs> yeah. laws. Enforce laws. I mean, it's right. pretty easy. You've got Michigan Democrats coming out and saying, we've got to put new laws in the books. And we're like, I mean, for what? For what? What are you going to do with them? You don't enforce the laws you have. So why? Let's make new laws that we can just ignore. Why? Honest to God. Uh, again, I, I, I think everything falls under the umbrella of sanity versus insanity. I just, I just do. Like... Hey, we got this law, but you know what? We're, we're not really, we're not really going to enforce it. We're just going to kind of enforce it. It's just insane just some to me how we just act. Just some people. With, go ahead. Yeah, just, just some people. Just we'll just enforce people. it for some. <laughs> Tudor, I got to I mean, tell you is... why I love you. Can I tell you why I love you? <laughs> I would love that, yeah. <laughs> this is the first time we've talked, but... I, I obviously when I'm going to have you on the show, um, I, you know, I studied, I, I researched, I got on your Twitter, all that kind of stuff. And man, are you polarizing? Because as soon as I said I was having you on on Twitter, here it came, right? Here it comes back. Here it comes good. I love that. I, seriously, that means, hey, look, you didn't win. Fine. But you made a difference, made a hell of a difference. Yeah. And I congratulate that. Seriously. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm not done making a difference. I'm going to stay out there so those people not. that are horrified, they can continue with their horror because I'm here to stay. Right. And, and you know, it's like I call it the beatdown. You know, the people that dislike you try to beat you down, right? They just they try to continually screw them. That That's the beauty of it. Having people so angry at your opinion. And I get this every day, all day that it's it's glorious to me. I swear to God, it is. I don't know. It, 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 it is interesting to see the attacks that they bring. The other night, I had someone on my team call me, and they're like, so you're not going to believe this, but the latest attack is that you're an alcoholic and you ha can't oh. manage to get out of bed in the morning, which they think is hilarious because I don't drink <laughs> at all. <And> so <laughs> they're like, this is really funny because we know that you're actually a complete dork. So it's um, just interesting to see what how they try. They try to come up with these new things. But it has taught me a lot about when I do read something, even about the other side, to say, you know, before I comment on that, I don't. I'm not going to just believe that this is true because I've seen it happen to myself. So hopefully we can bring some reality back to what we see on social media as well. That's exactly right. You know, I, I, I for 10 years, I was a broadcaster. I did uh, Big Ten games on ESPN, Mike Tirico, Michigan, Michigan resident. And I did games on Tuesdays and Saturday nights. And one time I legitimately had a state trooper in the state of Iowa 
put a post on Facebook saying, if anybody is in Carver Hawkeye Arena, which is Iowa's arena, please shoot Dockich in the head. How about that? <laughs> as a state trooper, did that. <laughs> that, that, I'm going to go on record of saying that actually violates the First Amendment. <laughs> That's, that goes too far. You're not allowed to yeah, do that. He called me. He called me and he apologized. I go, let me, I, I just got to ask, what the hell are you thinking? Like, what? Right. what, what, what right. Tudor, I hope you'll come back. I, ho- I hope you'll come I back. Will. Yes, absolutely. Thank, Thank you, so you for much. having me. Have a great day. Oh, it's my pleasure. That's, yeah, have a great day yourself. That's Tudor Dixon. Look, I like people that are, are strong enough to elicit response. I mean, because we can all sit back and complain, but if you're strong enough and you elicit response, I love it. That's what Tudor Dixon does. You can follow her at Tudor Dixon. Pretty simple. All right. um, We're going to talk to a war hero coming up about sports, about the craziness that's going on uh, in our sports world. Also got some headlines. Andre Iguodala compared Steph Curry to someone that I don't think you should be comparing anybody to. We'll be right back. Wow. Hey, that was fun with Tudor Dixon. Thanks to Dylan and Ryan and Aaron for getting that hooked up. She's a brilliant woman that has people absolutely losing their minds. All right, let's discuss some sports here. Andre Iguodala. He's the OG now. He's like uh, Udonis Haslam is to the Miami Heat. He's the OG of the Golden State Warriors. Uh, He compared meeting Steph Curry to meeting Jesus, the NBA superstar, other than Steph Curry, who I really like, is an idiot, and the NBA OG is a little blasphemous. Let's hear from the OG of the Golden State Warriors, ladies and gentlemen. When Steph and them got knocked out of the playoff, at the play in Memphis, Mm -hmm. he said, we had some injuries. Mm -hmm. He said, but y'all better get us now, because y'all don't want to see us next year. Mm He foretold of what was to come. Yes. And I think my first, it's funny because my first, uh, when I signed with the Warriors 2013, and uh, you do the press conference, you say what you're supposed to say. PC, I'm coming here to try to win a championship. Right. Nobody take you serious. Right. But I'm saying to myself, I think I've met the closest thing to Jesus Christ. Not to put that on him. Right. But I've never seen an individual, he, he, he doesn't stray away from who he is in terms of who he is as a person. So you know what you're getting night in, night out. And I can see it. And so I'm thinking I'm about to go try to win a championship. And 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 then we win a couple, and then he comes out and he says, y'all better get us now because we're coming back. I think y'all need to start taking Steph more serious when right. he's talking because y'all are just so used to him being the baby face killer, this nice kid. Right. You know, uh, his, right. his faith is very strong. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. He, his faith is strong. That means he got – that faith is real. Yeah. So what, what he's saying, he really believing. And – Thus far, it's all come true. Yeah, I always wonder who you're hanging out with your whole life if some guy that is the same person every day and is who he says he is is compared to Jesus Christ. Like everybody that I hang out with, I mean, maybe not when I was younger, and, and Iguodau was a young guy, but maybe when I was younger, uh, I hung out with, I don't know, people that weren't who they are, but I, maybe it's growing up in northwest Indiana where you go, all right, you know, everybody pretty much doesn't give a rat's ass whether you like him or not. You just do. So I guess Iguodala finally met somebody 
in his life that is actually as they say they are. And I'm down with it. Look, I'm absolutely down with it. I know this, the good folks, Jennifer, Troy, Connie, everybody is, uh, yeah, everybody is uh, pretty much who they say they are. And look, here is the deal. Nate Burleson, Shannon Sharp, when you're interviewing somebody, shut up. Nate Burleson's the worst. Like, Nate Burleson on one of those shows, what is it, CBS he's on? Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. Shut up. That lady on GetUp does it all the time, Martin, whatever the hell her name is. Yeah, oh, yeah, I, I, shut up when somebody else is speaking. Yep, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, it doesn't make you look. That's like Clark Kellogg. Clark Kellogg legitimately doesn't know much about basketball. And he got exposed, according to TV executives, when he worked with Steve Kerr, because all he would ever say, that's right, Steve. Oh, yeah, that's right. Like, he's the authority. He doesn't know. And so, you know what? You're doing an interview, you just shut up. Words from Double Dizzle. You really think he was being serious? Dear Lord, stop taking everything so legal. Liberal. See, who's your daddy? Here's the deal. I get it. You're mad at me. That's fine. But I look at, I don't listen to what people say. I look at their eyes. So, absolutely, I do. I am a literal person. If you say it to me, I take it literal. Docket, you're incredibly handsome. I take that literal. Uh, I don't hide from it. Uh, Kermit Davis is now out as the Mississippi head coach. He was 6-27 and 27 over the last two years in the SEC before he was done with Old Miss. And Old Miss was done with him. And I'll give Kermit Davis great credit because he reached out to recruits and said, hey, this is a great place to come. They're going to hire a wonderful coach. Stay with Mississippi. Give Mississippi a chance. And it was a very classy thing to do. But Kermit Davis, when he was at Middle Tennessee, had the NCAA all over it. In fact, one of my longtime assistants went and worked for Kermit and had to quit because, like, yeah, this is too much. The crap that he was doing was too silly. The lying was too ridiculous. So I'm never going to say that Kermit Davis is a guy of high integrity. I'm never going to say that Kermit Davis isn't anything other than a Southern coach that understand how to work the system, how to work AAU, how to get money to people. I guess I don't know, but that's what the NCAA came in to look at Middle Tennessee, at least according, according to my longtime assistant, Artie Papella, who ended up leaving. Said, yeah, this is crazy. I don't need to be involved in this. All right? So now Kermit Davis, <clears throat> as oft times happens, is being praised universally. And yesterday, America's most full of crap coach, Buzz Williams, now I don't know if he's the most full of crap, but he's in the top two, uh, said, well, you know, Kermit Davis is a great in-game coach. There is no better in-game coach in this conference. Yeah, okay, hey, look, I see what you're doing, and I ain't mad at what you're doing, Buzzy. I ain't mad at what you're doing at all. Buzz, at some point, will invoke Jesus and family and all the happy horse bleep that people invoke. Good for Buzz. But you know what? Whether Kermit Davis is or isn't, it's nice of his guy, Buzz, to stand up for him. Kermit Davis, 61 years old. He's made a ton of money. He does not need anybody standing up for him. What he needs to do is go work at the SEC network and use the same charm that he did in BSing kids and BSing uh, boosters to give him money to give to kids, allegedly. Uh, let's be honest. That's what he needs to do. So, hey, what are you going to do? Uh, this is sad news. I do not like this. I don't like it even a little bit. 
Tennessee announced starting point guards. Kai Ziegler is out for the rest of the season with a torn ACL. Ziegler announced it. Tennessee announced it. Here's what I saw. I asked yesterday on here, if you ever watch a basketball game or a football game and you see a straight, let's say this is the ground right here, a straight leg injury to a knee, like my knee hit or my foot hit, and it's straightened out. You see my arm straight. The knee is going to have a tore ACL. Now, it's nine. Like a lot of times you get hit on the side and it looks bad, but that's not the same as a straight leg. I remember seeing Allen Henderson. This goes back. We're number one team in the country. He came down, laid it in, straight leg ACL. Crap. <laughs> Cost us a national championship. All right. Uh, Ziegler was a semifinalist for the Naismith Defensive Player of the Year. He was averaging close to 11, 10.7, five and a half assists. And I got to tell you, I'm a big Rick Barnes fan. I'm a big Tennessee basketball fan. Actually, I'm a fan of wherever Rick Barnes goes. So this hurts them. And as my boy Dylan said, who is a Tennessee fan, he was kind of the heart and soul of the team, and I hate that. Uh, Last night, by the way, Alabama – And Auburn played an unbelievable game. 17-point lead Auburn had at Alabama. Alabama came just absolutely roaring back. The crowd was insane. A little bit of a scuffle. Stupid rule. Anybody that comes off the bench gets kicked off. I know I'm probably supposed to rip Alabama for that, but I'm not. People are saying, well, you know. That shows the undisciplinedness of the Alabama program. Yeah, maybe it does. Who cares? Seriously, man, you get in a high-octane event like last night, and I'll say something else. Man, does the Alabama crowd and the Alabama gymnasium show up great? I don't mean kind of great. I mean great on TV. I mean great. Like, wow. Even my wife, who usually, when I sit down to do my third job, which is gambling, uh, when I sit down to watch, she's like, yeah. But if a game is sensational, like Indiana-Iowa the other day or Alabama-Auburn last night, she'll watch. We both were like, wow. That looks like a fun place to play your college basketball. No, you're going to have to play with guys that are allegedly involved with murder. But, hey, at least you got a good crowd. You're going to have to play with a coach that has absolutely no conscience, has absolutely no sensibility, and truthfully is kind of a moron. But, hey, at least you're going to play once in a while in a good, I don't know, in a good crowd. Uh, Mike Bray last night. Mike Bray, Notre Dame's longtime head coach, friend of the show. Uh, got himself a win, his final home game. They won, and I should have bet this when I was watching the start, and I'm like, they are not losing this. He said, look, what an unbelievable night. We defended. It was Mike Bray's last home game. 23 years as the head coach of Notre Dame, 315 and 74 at Purcell Pavilion. And then you know what he did after, and I love this. He went to the linebacker, legendary bar on campus, and bought rounds for people. See, that's what I'm talking about. People have asked me who should be the next head coach at Notre Dame. Frankly, I should be. I'm from an hour away. I'm 60 years old. Batteries are recharged. I want to put my official, uh, what do you pay, hat in the ring to be the head coach at Notre Dame. There would be nobody better. 
Who are they actually going to get? I don't know. But I want to be the head basketball coach at Notre Dame. I'll go to Mass every Sunday. I'll treat Digger nice. I will. I will. I'll wear a suit and a boutonniere. Hour away from my peeps. Hour away the other way from my peeps. I'd be the perfect candidate. Congratulations to Mike Bray on getting a hell of a win last night. Uh, LSU, don't ever bet on LSU. They got one game left. I got to tell you what I did last night. Uh, All you guys on the YouTube chat, I want you to listen up here. So last night, I had lost. Last night, I was going to make a comeback. Last night, I took too much money out, and I was going to take a parlay that included, ladies and gentlemen, I told my wife this at the time, I can't believe I did this, that included Missouri to win at LSU, and I did it when Missouri was down. That's my new thing. So I take this bet, Campbell and Missouri. Campbell wins, close game, win by five. Missouri ends up winning, except when I looked at my bet, I had mistakenly put LSU in there. True story. It looked good when in the first half, LSU went up 17, when at halftime, LSU was down or excuse me, was up 13. It looked good with about three minutes to go. They were up six. But frankly, it never looked good. It didn't. There was nothing good looking about it. And I went from going, wow, that's a great mistake, to, ah, crap. I could see it coming. I should have live bet at Missouri. I should have. I didn't. I wished I had. But that's the level of guy that talks to you every morning. The level of guy that is so stupid that he mispunched in one team for the other and it cost him, well, frankly, it cost me DoorDash money. So after this, I'm interviewing my guy, Uwe Blop, which again, I thought was yesterday, but was today. And I'm going to go DoorDash for an hour and then watch Illinois State. By the way, they're getting four against Northern Iowa. I'm taking Illinois State because my son coaches it. Actually, I'm not betting that game. I don't bet on their games. I don't. I just, I can't do it. I just have to watch their game and root like crazy. Jeff Paquette is going to join us. If you don't know who Jake Paquette is, I said, Jeff, you shouldn't know Jeff, but you got to know Jake. Uh, Jake's been on it before, and it's always awesome. Candidate, uh, war hero, football player, played for Parcells. We're going to get into some of the insanity going on. Just the insanity going on in the world of college athletics. Murders, uh, number one pick, has to go home from the combine to answer assault, or not assault charges, but an arrest warrant. We'll be right back.
Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real Steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. You know, a lot is going on in college athletics right now. And I don't mean a lot. I mean a lot of craziness. Yes, let's go on court first. You've got, obviously, uh, basketball going on. Conference tournaments really start today. Um, all that kind of stuff. But we also got a lot of crazy stuff leading with Alabama. Now we've got Jalen Carter and what's going on in Georgia. No better person to talk to than Jake Baquette. Former New England Patriot, former Arkansas Razorback, former Army Ranger, and I think at some point is going to be the President of the United States. Um, that's just my personal opinion. Uh, as a former athlete, an SEC athlete, a lot of stuff going on in your league, big boy. Yeah, it's pretty wild out there. I mean, I know you've already addressed the uh, the Brandon Miller situation at Alabama, but you know, I, I've got to say I, we, we've got to talk about this because um, you know that really blew up over the weekend when they were playing my Arkansas Razorbacks. You know, we had a tough loss down there in Tuscaloosa. Um, you know, we all saw the the, the frisking introduction, um, but really, I, it, it frustrates me because not enough people seem to be grasping the reality that like there is very serious criminal activity at play here involving the best player in the country and you know like I, a lot of people are trying to deflect okay and, and like to me this is a great illustration of the 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 evergreen principle that the more talent you have in sports the more you seem to get away with and anyone who's played organized sports at really any level understands this like when it comes to the slappies at the end of the bench you know the walk-ons uh, you know, the, the, the guys who don't play very much, the, the practice squad players at the professional level, you know, if they get out of line, uh, you know, the hammer gets dropped down on them pretty swiftly. You know, the coach yeah. and the general manager, the athletic director, whoever it is, gets to beat their chest and, and talk about how, you know, how they run their program with discipline and, and yada, yada, yada. But when it comes to star players and, and, and you know, in, in the case of Brandon Miller, who's not just the best player on the team, he's the best player in the conference. He might be the best player in the country. You know, it's a different story. You know, these these stakeholders, the coaches, ADs, you know, general managers, et cetera, you know, they have more skin in the game. You know, it's their butt on the line if these players aren't on the court or on the field playing. And so there's a different standard. And so that brings us to Miller, right? Okay, here's a guy who it's the facts seem to be undisputed. He delivered the murder weapon to the homicide of a young woman in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And this guy is still playing basketball. I mean, like to me, that is absolutely insane. You've got the head coach out there saying, you know, this is, uh, you know, he was at the wrong place at the wrong time. You know, he's a good kid. You've got, you know, you know NPCs like Jay Billis out there saying that, you know, Brandon Miller has rights. Like, what are we talking about? 
like 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 playing basketball is not a right under the law under the constitution okay like like that is a privilege you, you know th- th- these people just like like don't don't piss on my head and tell me it's raining you know I, I, just for once i would love to see these guys like take a truth serum and just look me straight in the eye and say you know what i don't care if my players murder every young woman in tuscaloosa alabama we've got a championship to win we've got a final four to get to <laughs> You know, you know like, like we've got to win basketball games. We've got to win football games. You know, I've seen this in the NFL as well. You know, so like that to me is an absolute disgrace. You know, it, it sets a bad example for the rest of the country. It sets a horrible example for, for our youth. And, you know, because sports have an important part in our culture. And so it's a huge black eye, not just on Alabama, not just on the SEC, not just on sports in general. It's a black eye on the country. Not to be hyperbolic about this, but it gets me fired up because – We've got people out there in the commission of capital crimes, and we're just looking the other way because the guy can shoot the ball through a hoop. It's disgusting. It is. Uh, Jalen Carter, number one pick in the draft at the Combine, has to go home to answer an arrest warrant that resulted, whatever happened, I don't know what happened, but... He's a part of it, the death of two people. Now, he's not the one driving. He's not the one doing the speeding that that drove the car that caused death. I don't know how people live with it. I honestly don't. Like, Catholic guilt just may have crushed me. The nuns, I think, destroyed me. But I've got Catholic guilt. I don't understand how you can just live with yourself when you are involved in these things. I don't. I don't get it. I mean, I was really, uh, I'm sure you saw, and I'm sure you, maybe you commented on uh, Deion Sanders' comments uh, from a couple of weeks ago about how he recruits players. And, you know, Deion, he's kind of uncancelable. You know, he, he could say these things. You know, he was just like, look, you know, when I'm recruiting a quarterback, I'm looking for a two-parent home. You know, I'm looking for a kid who's got a four-point GPA, you know, who's a yes sir, no sir kid. Um, you know, but when I'm, you know, when I'm looking at defensive players, when I'm looking at, you know, defensive ends, linebackers, whatever – you know, I'm looking for guys who have got nothing to lose. You know, I'm looking for guys who are on both sides of the law. You know, and like, I mean, that's just, you know, hey, at least Dion, you know, that's just the refreshing honesty. You know, at least he's just going to tell you straight up, like, yeah, I don't care if these guys are criminals or not. As a matter of fact, I might prefer criminals because they're going to be better at, at this game. So, you know, like we, we've we made a decision as a culture, um, you know, when it comes to sports that, hey, you know, like we're, we're going to put talent on the field above – um, you know, above character, you know, hey, like that's a that's a trade off that you make, I guess. Um, you know, you're not going to always have Eagle Scouts out there, but you know, I, I think that the, the pendulum has fa- has swung way too far uh, in that direction towards leniency um, and, and these consequences. You know, like once once these players, I mean, surely a lot of them have figured out that, like, hey, like as long as I'm good enough, you know, as long as I'm not actually the trigger man, you know, like an Aaron Hernandez type situation. Um, you know, then, then, you know, I'm going to be fine. You know, it is interesting. Um, this isn't, it, it is a new thing, but it isn't a new thing. I had a long talk, um, with Jim Beheim, the legendary coach of, uh, Syracuse. And we were talking about his history. He goes, yeah, you know, I went down, we played down in New Mexico and a guy that I coached with the late, great Norm Ellenberger literally got two guys out of jail to play the game. One of them had like 25. He goes, yeah, he had a deal with the prosecutor. He got him out of jail, like on a 48-hour pass, and they played the game. But I will say this, Jake, and I'm curious your thought on this. You know, it's always follow the money. 
So here's the deal in basketball. So you got all these guys, the coaches, everybody's making a ton of money. Okay, but you know who else is making money? Brandon Miller. And Brandon Miller, and I don't know if this equates into it, he's getting a ton of money from boosters. And the coach has to answer to those boosters in the modern way that college basketball and college football are set up. He's got to go back to that well again for the next Brandon Miller. So you got to kind of play the long game here, and that's, I think, what Nate Oates is doing. No, you're exactly right. I mean, the NIL um, and kind of the new revolution um, of of money in college sports in terms of going into the players' hands has given them a lot more leverage uh, than even in the past. I mean, they already had quite a bit of leverage, you know, just through the the, the direct relationship between talent and leeway, as we discussed earlier. Um, But now I, I think you're exactly right. They have more. Um, because there's a lot more money involved and you've got boosters and you've got outside sponsors. You've got commercial enterprises who are uh, channeling money to these players for their services. And, you know, they want to see a return on their investment. You know, they want to see not only, um, you, you know, the, these players out there performing well, you know, for the sake of the university and for the sake of the team that they want to see succeed. You know, now, um, you know, they want to see these players do well for the sponsorships. Um, that they've created around these players. So, yeah, it, it's a it's a much more analogous situation to professional athletes. I mean, really, the the line is is very thin, um, you know, if not totally, you know, non-existent between uh, you know college and professional athletes nowadays. I mean, really, it's just kind of the the jersey they're wearing. Um, so you're exactly right. It's a it's a it's a brave new world out there, and um, you know, for these top players in college or in the pros, um, they just have all kinds of leverage over the you know other stakeholders in the program of the organization. And so, you know, at the end of the day, you know, that can buy them a lot of forgiveness when it comes to, say, I don't know, delivering uh, a loaded handgun to the scene of a murder of a young woman in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it, it's, it's like, all right, I, here's what I think. You know, I coached for 27 years, and my thought was always towards recruiting. So here's Nate Oates. He's got a murder on his hands, right? I mean, let's just take it from his side of it. Uh, he's got three of his players involved. He, you know, one's going to jail for a long time. The other got kicked off and the other's his superstar. And you mentioned delivering the handgun. Um, he's got to show that he'll stand by his players because he's got nothing else in recruiting. Someone's going to say, you're going to go to Alabama. Three guys are murdered. Other people will say, look, Nate Oates, he stayed with his players. I got a question for you that a friend of mine's been asking me. I followed this pretty closely. <clears throat> I don't know how closely you followed. It seems like you have. Did Brandon Miller ever ask Miles uh, why he needed the gun? I do think there is an exchange in there where Miles, the guy who was maybe the shooter, maybe not, but the gun was used. It, it, if Miles read the, t- or excuse me, if Miller read the text, and he certainly knew that there was a problem, at least what I read in the in the in the slang that was the text. You see what I'm saying? No, I understand what you're saying. And, you know, when I when I you know post about this on social media, you know, instantly I have, you know, dozens of Alabama fans, you know, in my mentions or in my DMs, you know, acting like they're, you know, Jose Baez or Johnny Cochran, like they're defense attorneys uh, talking about Brandon Miller's state of mind and. You know how he, you know he, you know he had no idea that you know bringing a gun to the scene of an argument. Uh, at midnight uh, is, you know, what, what, you know, there, yeah, there, he had no reason to suspect there might be violence there, um, you know, and just you know, like, like that kind of thing. So, you know, you're dealing with uh, kind of a poisoned well, you know, I, I hope that if, if, if Brandon Miller ends up getting charged, 
uh, you know, I, I hope that, you know, he gets a Tuscaloosa j- uh, jury. Let's just put it that way. Uh, yes. Yes, because um, one thing Alabama has shown going back to Jermaine Burton, who was a wide receiver that slapped a girl on the field, uh, coming off the field against Tennessee for no reason, is Alabama will play you. Alabama will love you. Alabama will put their arms around you and protect you as long as you're pretty good at whatever sport it is. And that sport needs to be football. And now, apparently, uh, basketball. I got to get into something with you. The Jalen Carter situation. Here we have in Georgia. I got to tell you, Jake, I played for Bob Knight. I coached with him for 12 years. I was with him for 16 years. People always ask me, what's the best thing that Bob Knight did as a coach? And I always say this. It is hard at a place like Indiana where basketball is so big to focus on the next game after a big win. It is very, very, very difficult, okay? You've got to have a a focus. All right, Georgia wins the biggest prize, national championship, and it's like boys gone wild down there. And unfortunately, it resulted in two deaths. And now we got Jalen Carter having to leave the combine. Where are you at on what's going down in uh, Athens? Yeah, it doesn't look good. Um, you know, there, there's obviously uh, kind of a lack of institutional control down there right now. Um, things have just gone haywire. The, the, the program, the team is just at, at its absolute apex under Kirby Smart. But, you know, he, you know here you go again. Um, as we discussed a minute ago, these players, uh, they have a lot more leverage now than, than they did even, you know, five or 10 years ago, like back when I was playing college football. Um, you know, we didn't have the kind of money that these guys have. Um, and, and really, uh, in the business of sports or any other business, money talks. And, you know, these guys in, in many cases are making, you know, mid to high six, you know, even low seven figures per year, maybe even more in some cases, uh, to perform out there. And, you know, when you're a, when you're a young kid who has that kind of money, um, you know, like, and that's their market value. I'm, I'm not necessarily denigrating the system. I'm just saying, like, that's going to give you, um, you know, kind of a, you know, a, I'm, I'm bulletproof mentality, um, you know, and, and that doesn't excuse criminal behavior, um, not in the least. Um, but I, I just think it's, it's hard for me to separate the, the confluence of those two factors. Um, you know, you've got guys who are, um, you know, now, uh, you know, extremely wealthy, um, you know, who are, you know, in, in some cases like Brandon Miller, who are clearly demonstrating uh, they seem to be above the law uh, in theory, if not in practice. It's not only in sports. Politics is starting to drive me nuts. I think you and I talked about this way back. First year, I've never wanted to pay my taxes. I do not want to pay my taxes. I, I'm like, I saw Michelle Obama. It's only the first the year you felt reduction. that way? <laughs> it's only the it first is. year. I felt that. I, I, it really is. Jake, I, honest to God, I, and maybe it's doing this show, but it's like, you know what? It's my duty. I'm going to pay them. Yeah, it, I hate to admit it. It makes me sound dumb, but this is really... I, when I saw Michelle Obama wants a million dollars in the Inflation Reduction Act, I'm like, what, are, what is wrong with these people? And now, now we've got our guy Zelensky, who apparently is our guy because we are funding his sorry ass, at least in my opinion, saying that, well, you better keep funding me. You better help us get Russians out of here or else your sons and daughters are going to war. 
I, look, I just want to slap that guy. I've had enough of that guy. Well, me, me too. Um, you know, it's it's really uh, it's really sad in, in one way, but it's also, uh, frankly, it's it's terrifying because it's not just these foreign leaders who seem to have the, the whip hand over our political leaders. Um, you know, it, on the left, really, it's, it's even some Republicans who continue to to beat the war drums. Um, you know, I, I saw Nikki Haley, the new presidential candidate this morning on Hugh Hewitt show. Uh, you know, she was saying that the war in Ukraine is a is a war for freedom and it's a war that we have to win. Uh, OK, who, who's the we in that sentence? OK, uh, apparently she means American citizens, you know, like the the, the sons of American families and daughters, according to Zelensky. You know, he's he's not afraid to sacrifice American daughters. Uh, you know, for the, the the territorial sovereignty of his corrupt third world regime, uh, this colony in Eastern Europe that he calls a country, Ukraine. Um, it, it's absolutely disgusting that, you know, that's the level of discourse that we're willing to accept, uh, you know, from from these the, these these puppets uh, like Zelensky, you know, who are and really it's a, it makes a larger point. Uh, and this is why I think President Trump was so. Uh, he was so uh, he had the foresight uh, and the courage um, to really call out uh, these European countries in NATO, because really, you know, like like Zelensky, he's not he's not necessarily stupid. OK, Zelensky understands that his 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 country's national defense relies upon morally and emotionally blackmailing the United States into supporting this war, okay, financially, and when it comes down to it with the lives of American sons and daughters. So he's playing the only card that he has, which is this blackmail card, and, and the rest of these European countries do it as well. The reason why, you know, everyone's like, oh, you know, Bernie Sanders is like, oh, you know, we, we should have these lavish uh, social welfare systems like Europe. Well, the reason why Europe is able to afford those systems is because they don't spend any money on their defense budget. They don't have militaries. Because we, the United States, is their defense budget, okay? Like, like th their entire strategy of national defense is exactly what Zelensky is doing. Just cry to the U.S. And, and intellectually and emotionally and morally blackmail them into fighting their wars for them. And it's, just, it, it's sick to me to see not just Democrats but also many Republicans falling into this trap. Um, so it's it's it, it scares me, Dan. It, it's not just Democrats who are doing this. It's Republicans as well. Jake, I go back to this. There was a great sit down. It was Trump and Zelensky. It, you know, and it was a stage deal. Right. Reporters are there. And basically Trump, not basically Trump said to Zelensky, hey, look, and he you know, he sat forward. And he said, you and Putin need to get this figured out. That was after he talked about the amount of money that we are paying into different things and nobody else is. China paying $40 billion, whatever. We're paying $150 billion into NATO or whatever it was. But he literally sat there, looked Zelensky in the eye, kind of sat forward and said, well, you know, you and Putin better get this whole thing straightened out. And I got to tell mean, you. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. no I, I was just going to say. Yeah, no, no. We we have already given more money to Ukraine, 
you know, adjusted for inflation, we've given more money to Ukraine than we did the entirety of Western Europe under the Marshall Plan in the 1940s. I mean, that was a massive investment. You know, we all learned about that in history class, you know, the Berlin airlift and everything. Like, this was a massive investment in the reconstruction of Europe after World War II. We have already surpassed that in, in, in funds given to Ukraine. Okay, we've got trains derailing, acid rain falling on young, uh, like Eastern Ohio. You know, we've got infrastructure issues. We've got people being assassinated in our streets. You know, like we, we have you know, all, a whole host of problems, illegal immigrants flooding over you know, southern and northern borders and, you know, inflation out of control. And apparently the priority of this administration and many on the right as well is funneling hundreds of billions of dollars into this war in Ukraine. I, look, I'm sure there's a backstory. I'm, I don't know. It's, it's it's got me nuts. Last thing before I let you go, um, as an army ranger, as a guy that I'm sure still has relationships in and across all of our military, what's the morale of our military in your mind? Well, it's it's not good, um, and you know I would like to uh, you know give your listeners the opportunity to. Uh, or at least uh, just let them know that I'm coming out with a new podcast. Uh, first episode is going to be dropping uh, this Sunday, the Jake Beckett Show podcast. I'm really excited about it. One of the first episodes, the second episode, uh, is going to be about this topic, which is um, the, the the disastrous recruiting shortfall in our military and the overall uh, collapse of morale. Um, it's, a great, it's a great topic and very important to discuss and do a deep dive on um, because it, it has, you know, existential consequences not just for the president, Bohr, but 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 for the the you know many decades to come, if it's not addressed. Because I mean, look, the the army in fiscal year twenty two only hit forty percent of its recruiting goal in, in terms of enlisted personnel. Okay, like and that that was such a disastrous figure that the army, for the first time in its history, said we have to reduce the size of the force because of how bad recruiting is. Okay, you, you've got these internal discussions and internal memos in the Pentagon, um, you know, talking about how only nine percent of young Americans who are eligible for military service nine percent have any inclination in serving in the military. There's a whole host of reasons for that. I'll go into it on the podcast. But the bottom line is, is that we have a a disastrous morale problem uh, and, and frankly a culture problem inside the armed forces. Um, you know, it's been it's been percolating for many decades, but it's really come to a head, um, you, you know, and really what what, what it is uh, on the recruiting front. You know, I, I think a lot, I, I speak to veterans every single day. Uh, I speak to people who are still on active duty, you know, very close friends of mine. Um, and and the, the refrain is very simple. It's that, you know, we don't believe in these decades long, you know, foreign wars of nation building. Um, you know, we, we, we don't believe in this neocon foreign policy. You know, I don't want to send my sons, uh, you know, to die in, you know, the, the, the wars that many of my friends and comrades died in Iraq and Afghanistan uh, that ultimately just, just were, were uh, you know, the, the, the meaning of that is hard to determine. Uh, you know, obviously the vaccine mandate is a huge part of that puzzle. Um, you know, 40, I think it was like, uh, you know, 40 percent or more of, of young adults like 18 to 20 or 18 to 22 refuse to get the vaccine. Um, so, you know, that's a, obviously that's like right in the wheelhouse, the age group of 
uh, of people who are in the crosshairs of military recruiters. So there's a lot of reasons for that. I'm going to get into it deeper, but it's a problem for now. It's a problem for the for the intermediate term, and it's certainly a problem uh, for the long term because you know if we don't have a strong military, uh, you know that's not just going to have national security implications, but it's going to have implications for global security beyond our borders. Jake, last thing quickly, what's the uh, tell people where they can get the podcast? What's it called? And where can they get it again? Yeah, it's going to be the Jake Beckett Show on on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, all, all the places where you can find podcast podcasts. Uh, you know, I, I'm very excited to be launching this new uh, this new production. Uh, you know, I, I love getting my ideas out there. This is going to be a great opportunity to do it in more of a long format. Um, so check it out, the Jake Beckett Show, wherever you uh, consume your podcasts. Thanks, Jake. Appreciate you, man. Great stuff. Fantastic. Thanks for the time. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for having me on. Man, this has been a hell of a show today. Jake Beckett, tremendous. Tudor Dixon, fantastic. We're going to get into some damn awards. I got some awards to give to people, ladies and gentlemen. I got I got some awards also. Uh, I just can't get over. I, 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 I like talking to people that are real. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I just can't get over this John Morant story where he's punching a 17-year-old. Now, I'm sure, you know, I, there's a backstory, right? I get it. We all get it. But there's a backstory when he rolls up and he's going to point a laser at Pacer uh, Communications or, or their traveling party. There's a backstory when he's in a mall with nine guys. But I just can't get over it. I, I, I'm sorry. I know we're all supposed to say that every guy like John Morant's the greatest guy ever, but I just get a kick out of dudes that can't act like who they are. Uh, before we go to break, I want to say this. Rest in peace, David Benner. David Benner was a longtime, longtime communications director of the Indiana Pacers. And all across the league, Mark Jackson last night talked about him on a broadcast. Uh, David Benner was just so revered, such a nice guy, great sense of humor. Had to discipline me one time because I took my son, my nephew, into Kobe Bryant's locker room, and I really didn't care because I really don't have respect for those kind of things. But he had to he had to get mad at me one time, shake his head, and say, "Dan, don't do that." But he's a great dude, not a kind of great dude, a great great dude. He had about a 13 year battle with cancer and passed away. The Pacers reported yesterday. His brother Bill, longtime columnist for the Indy Star, also works, I believe, still with the Pacers, but the better name is known all across the great state of Indiana, certainly all across the great city of Indianapolis. And you know what, David Benner was a terrific, terrific man. And I say rest in peace, sir. We'll be right back. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, I want to thank our YouTube chat. They are strong today. They are strong. They are bringing it. They are arguing amongst yourselves. They are defining, well, frankly, who is the greatest of all time? 75% of you say Clyde Drexler. 
25% of you say Sean Kemp. I don't know the context of that. Greatest of what? They're both great players, so there you go. I don't know. I do not know. All right. Yeah, I don't get the John Morant thing. Yeah, I know you guys are talking about it on the YouTube chat. I honestly don't get it. Uh, I, I know I'm supposed to. Man, this Andrea Carter, uh, never mind. I, I can't make fun of ESPN sideline people enough. I can't. I, you know, I know it's where diversity hires matter, but my God, some little girl the other day asked, uh, oh, man, who'd they ask? Well, you know, he's scoring a lot of points. How do you, how do you stop him? I think it was Steve Kerr. It was Sunday night. It was the worst broadcast I ever saw. Richard Jefferson was so ill-prepared. The little sideline gal, she didn't know what the hell she was talking about. And, oh, man, what's that lady in the studio? Uh, Malika Andrews was like, oh, my God, he windmill dunked. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Oh, I felt bad for Beth Mullins. But anyway, I saw one of those, uh, one of the broadcasters on television. I just get a kick out of it. Oh, my God, he said one of those. One of the people that was on the broadcast. Justice is served award. Vanessa Bryant was awarded $29 million. Vanessa, the wife of Kobe Bryant, was awarded $29 million from L.A. County in the death of her husband, Kobe. Um, here's the deal. It wasn't, a lot of people say, well, you know, uh, plane crashed. It happens. No, it wasn't it. I mean, I don't, look, I don't understand what you're thinking if you're a cop. In 2020, Kobe Bryant's helicopter crashed. In 2020, sheriff's deputies shared photos with people that weren't clear to have these photos of the crash. The settlement included 15 million a jury had already awarded Vanessa. I, I don't understand it. Um, I don't. I, 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 you know, Chris Chester, whose wife and daughter also died in the crash, got 19.9 million. The photos from the crash were shared mostly among employees of the Los Angeles County Sheriff's and Fire Departments, including by some who were playing video games and attending award banquets. They were also seen by spouses and, in one case, by a bartender at a bar where a deputy was drinking. I got to tell you, I didn't know that was illegal. I'm not sure, you know, legal or illegal, a civil trial. But uh, do you remember watching Narcos? If you ever watched Narcos, um, when they finally killed What's-His-Face, they took photos of it standing next to the body. The cops did. We saw it uh, with Osama bin Laden. The folks that killed him took pictures uh, with it. I am not the biggest Kobe Bryant fan. I mean, I understand somehow he went from being on trial and settling a rape case to being a girl dad and an icon. That's fine if people want to go that direction. I just don't. I got a daughter, stepdaughter. I've never bought into the whole Kobe Bryant thing uh, certainly after the rape trial that he settled. He did, he, you know, he, he didn't like he was uh, innocent. He settled. Uh, the young lady signed a non-disclosure agreement, and we all moved on to thinking this guy is some great dad, which is fine. Maybe he became that. I'm just not all that bought into it. I, you guys can. People are. He Good for him. He changed the entire narrative about his career. But I know what his agent said about, you know, what, 
happened that particular day in Colorado, so I'm just not bought into Kobe Bryant, dead or alive. You can be, and that's on you. I, I, it's up to you. Uh, here's the deal. TikTok is setting a 60-minute daily screen time limit for users who are under 18. Thank God Haley is over 18, star of our show. Uh, you will have to enter a password if you exceed the time. Really? Uh, China's starting to worry. TikTok has made Americans even dumber than they intended. I don't think that's possible. I don't. I honestly don't think that's possible. I mean, we have the dumbest society we've ever had. Remember, saying that the Chinese virus from Wuhan that killed millions of Americans was from China was racist. Saying you wouldn't go in a pool with a woman that wasn't your wife is sexist and violence. We're out of our freaking minds in this hizzy. We are completely and totally out of our mind. Where was the first tweet? Did I miss the first tweet on that from the Daily Loud? Did I miss something there? Hey, kids, get off TikTok. See that guy right there? He's, giving, he's making money off you. Well, I don't know. All I know is this. We are the dumbest we've ever been, and that's why places like OutKick are growing because we call out the stupidity. Like, I get it. I'm probably racist or sexist or something for saying, look, I'm not all down with Kobe Bryant based on him and the murder charge and him settling a murder case. I'm sure that's racist. Hell, if it's racist to say that a virus that killed millions of Americans came from China and you call it the China virus, well, you know, well, you know, that is uh, dangerous to Chinese people. No, it's not. No, it's not. Just stop it. Just stop it. All right, what else we got? Uh, we got the Meldro- Mel Wardrobe Malfunction Award, a high school basketball player. You're going to see it here. Rips off his warm-up pants and realizes he did not have his basketball shorts. You can see it right here. Oops. Oops. Wait a second. I'm in my tidy blacks. There you go. Dude, put your pants on. Put your damn pants on. I forgot my pants to a sectional game. My buddy Danny Frasca let me use his. Went out and scored 40 or whatever it was, and we won. But I never ripped off my pants. I will tell you this. My wife, and I think Jennifer on the YouTube chat, I think I've said this before, and maybe some of you have had this experience. My wife, for whatever the reason, will pants me in public places. She pantsed me at the JW Marriott in, uh, in Marco Island. She pantsed me in what we used to call Vacation Marsh. It was this smaller marsh uh, in Zionsville. She pantsed me, meaning I had, she, meaning she pulled my pants down. You know what I do when somebody pants me? I just keep walking. I honestly don't care. This kid got a little embarrassed. I don't blame him. If I were his age, I would have been embarrassed too. But when my wife pants me in the marsh, I just kept pushing the cart. I did. I'm sorry. Uh, no, Dan, it's just the fact that the woman had a very poor reputation and you are just taking his word for it. Hey, Rick, no, I'm not. No, Rick, don't be an idiot. You're an idiot every day. Uh, in Kobe Bryant's case, his agent told my brother and I that they had to get every woman out of there. 
he was taking over the hotel and they got every woman employee out of there because of how Kobe Bryant acted on the road among women. Now, Rick, this is from his agent. They also, this woman showed up for work, didn't know that she was off. So just shut your stupidity. It had nothing to do with me taking anybody's word for it. Rick, you don't understand. Before I became a media person, I was a coach that knew all of these people for lots of years. I'm not you, Rick. I'm not you that reads the Indie Star and says, oh my God, this must be true. So Rick, sit down, do your little phobic stuff, and shut the hell up when it comes to me. There you go. Uh, all right, what else we got? Uh, the Wardrobe Melt Mother of Pearl Award. Let's hear from my friend Bruce Pearl. Club played its heart out tonight, Bruce. Yep, we played well. We played hard. We should have won the game. Um, very, very disappointing. Um, you know, obviously they made some made some plays. We had a hard time staying in front of them at the end of the day. Um, I'm just sick and tired of our guys getting smashed down there. Smashed! Talk about the, the, the final possession in, in regulation, Coach. Message to your ball club after this one, Bruce. Just we played hard. It played well. You know, if, if that's the number one team in the country, you know, come on the road, hostile environment. You know, but we needed that one to get the NCAA, and we, and we didn't get it. Dylan Cardwell's hurt. He's probably not going to play against um, Tennessee because of his injury. We need his physicality. He got, he got fouled down there at the, uh, uh, in, in, at the end of the game. So... Coach, just talk about what, what Saturday represents now. Oh, just we'll get ready to play Tennessee. We were, we were incredibly outmanned at the end at three, four guys on the bench in foul trouble. Joke! Auburn head coach Bruce Pearl joining us tonight as the Tigers. Love it. Good for Bruce Pearl. Absolutely great for Bruce Pearl. Look, you got to go off. They got screwed at Tennessee. No call. Three-point shot. They got screwed last night. No call. Drive to the bucket late. And you can tell Bruce's frustration. You know, I get a kick out of people that say, well, you should show class. Shut up. Dean Smith got kicked out of the classiest. All. He got kicked out of the Final Four. He got kicked out of the Final Four. Yeah, you can say he had a 17-point lead and you blame the refs. Well, I got to tell you. Uh, I don't care about the 17-point lead. When you're playing on the road against the number one team in the country in an environment like that, you know the other team's going to come back, and certainly he'll address the 17-point lead with his team. But I would blame the refs. I think the refs screwed it up, uh, and possibly last night when there was a foul at the end of the game. And, of course, they screwed it up uh, against Tennessee. And I love the fact that Bruce Pearl uh, is hot about it, and I love the fact that Bruce Pearl was uh, a bit afraid. I'm not going to say he wasn't afraid to comment on it because he ultimately did. But you always got to be careful, man, because as emotional as you are, then it comes back on you. Now you're going to get a fine. You don't want to get suspended. They are playing Tennessee. If they win that game, I would believe them to be in the NCAA tournament. Had they won last night, I believe them to be in the NCAA tournament. And don't listen to all the crap from people that says, well, you know, one game doesn't matter. No, a road win over the number one team mattered. And it mattered a lot. And listen, as you go through the year, you're fighting like crazy for your team. Fighting like crazy. So, there you go. 
All right, NFLPA survey shows that the Cardinals, the Commanders, the Jags, and the Bengals provide some terrible working conditions for players. Well, okay. All right. See, this is what I talk about. This is um, what, what I talk about is you don't want to be on these lists. 1,300 players were polled for a report card on their teams. It was treatment of families, food services, nutrition, weight room, strength coaches, training room, training staff, locker room, and team travel. So those were the criteria. And, okay, well, any surprise, let's look at it. Commanders. Everybody knows Daniel Snyder's kind of a schmuck. Let's go uh, and jump the Jaguars. But the Bengals, everybody knows Mike Brown, has always been behind the times. Cardinals, I don't understand. But I do know this, and Urban Meyer has said it on our show many, many times, that when he got to the Jaguars, they were and continue to be the worst franchise in sport in terms of winning, in terms of facility. And what Urban did immediately upon getting there was, guess what? put in an initiative where the facilities were upgraded. And he also did this. He did it to a point where Rick Venturi, who was traveling with the Colts, told me after the Colts lost, I think they lost the opener, maybe it was the second game of the year, said, look, Jacksonville has far surpassed the Colts. They're building new facilities, and they should. I'm not really one of those that gives a rat's ass what a player thinks. I'm sorry. I know I'm supposed to. Uh, Oh, boy, I dropped my thing. Hang on, caller. Hold on. I know I'm supposed to. I know I'm supposed to care about every little whim of multi-bazillion dollar players. I tell you what, players, if you want to complain about it, do yourself a favor. Get yourself some money together and buy it. Buy something that you don't have. See, Urban Meyer tried to hire a great weight coach, a guy named Doyle, I think, from Michigan or from uh, wherever the hell he was, Iowa, who players were mad at him at Iowa, so the media jumped on it. And next thing you know. Ladies and gentlemen, he couldn't hire him, but he's, a, by all accounts, the best weight coach in the country. So, really, Jaguars, I don't want to hear about your whining about a weight coach because you had the best one in the country. But because the media was mad at him, you know, well, he mistreated people. Shut up. Shut the hell up. All right. Uh, enough with my ear. I've had enough of my ear. Enough. Enough. Urban is a joke in the NFL. One win without him, and they win the division. Okay. I mean, if you know anything about coaching or you know anything about what he actually did there, you would say you would not say that, but I get it. I, I get it. Little fanboy here. What is it? Who's your fanboy? I get it. That's fine. I can't argue. You're right, but you're wrong. All right. Uh, let's see. What else do we have here? Um yeah, I, I, I just want to throw up when I see Andre Iguodala comparing, comparing Steph Curry to Jesus. We must have Jesus. Uh, Spice Rack says Doyle was a fantastic strength coach. Of course he was. Look, uh, the guys in Iowa had the same problem that all of us have. It was at a time where we were going to listen to everybody with a wine. It was at a time at Iowa. Oh, two players that got kicked off of the team. Two players got kicked off, and guess what? Oh, let's do it. Let's compare Steph Curry to Jesus. I'm sorry. We'll get back to the Iowa thing in a minute.
when Steph and them nope. got knocked out of the playoff at the play in Memphis, mm-hmm. he said trying we had to get some this. injuries. Mm-hmm. Oh, said, what's happening? Y'all better get us now because y'all don't want to see us next year. Mm-hmm. He foretold of what was to come. Yes. And I think my first it's funny because my first uh, when I signed with the Warriors 2013 and uh, you do the press conference, you say what you're supposed to say. PC, I'm coming here to try to win a championship. Right. Nobody take you serious. Right. But I'm saying to myself, I think I've met the closest thing to Jesus Christ. Not to put that on him. Right. But I've never seen an individual. Like, he, he, he doesn't stray away from who he is in terms of who he is as a person. So you know what you're getting night in, night out. And I can see it. And so I'm thinking I'm about to go try to win a championship. And, and, and then we win a couple. And then he comes out and he says, y'all better get us now because we're coming back. I think y'all need to start taking Steph more serious when right. he's talking, because y'all just so used to him being the baby face killer, this nice kid. Right. You know, uh, his, right. his faith is very strong. Uh huh. Uh-huh. He his faith is strong. That means he got that faith is real. Yeah. So what, what he's saying, he really believing, and thus far, it's all come true. Lori Lightfoot, who got her brains beat out, lost uh, well eighty three percent of the vote, voted against the incumbent Chicago mayor. It's the first time that a mayor in Chicago had lost re-election in 40 years. She says, hey, look, racism. I'm a lesbian black woman. Of course it's racist. No, it's not. It's ineptness. See, here's the deal. Um, and this is what's happening in our world. If you judge somebody by the content of their character, as Martin Luther said, Martin Luther King said, and not, ladies and gentlemen, the color of their skin, then everybody that is inept, regardless of if you're white or black, is going to lose re-election. Everybody that is inept is going to lose jobs if we're doing this fairly. Are we really, do you really want to be judged, Lori Lightfoot, by the content of your character? You were totally clueless. You lied about different things. You were so bad at your job. All you had really was the whole, look, hey, I'm lesbian, vote for me thing. Gun violence through the roof. Carjacking's the new big thing. Nobody wants to come downtown Chicago. And you got your brains beat out. I would argue that the only reason you got elected in the first place is because you were getting elected at a time where everybody tried to be like, cool. Oh, man, I voted for Lori Lightfoot. I am down with the African-American lesbian community. That's the only reason you got elected in the first place. What's wrong with you? So now all of a sudden you're saying, well, it's racism. Of course, a black woman can't get a fair shake in this country. Hell, you were elected mayor. Pretty good shake. No? Am I wrong? I don't know. I didn't think I was wrong when I said that, but maybe I am. But, hey, it's pretty good shake, isn't it, Lori Lightfoot? You got to be mayor as a black lesbian in the great city of Chicago. I'd say not bad, man. Uh, not, not bad at all. I don't know. So there you go. <sighs> all right, couple of things. Uh, no, let's go to woke dope I love me some woke dope Let's go. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. 
Oh, man. We have a duty. It's our duty to defend the Ukraine's border. Let me ask you a question. Isn't it the duty of us to defend our own damn border? I mean, isn't it one of those things that we're supposed to defend our border? Aren't we supposed to take care of our people? Aren't we supposed to not have the things going on in our country? Now, Janet Yellen, I'm looking her up. American economist served as the United States Secretary of the Treasury. So she's our Treasury Secretary. Of course, the first woman to hold office. Yeah, great. Pull this, it plays jingle bells. Who cares? Now, seriously, I mean, at some point you get a little tired of, well, we're supposed to defend Ukraine. All right. Really? Why? Well, World War III is coming, man. You know, you guys have been saying that World War III has been coming since before the Donald Trump election. And I don't know if you've noticed this. I don't know if you've noticed this. But when Trump was in office, we didn't have any wars. We, we, now, all of a sudden, we get the clown show that is the, quote, most diverse, not the best, not the most qualified, the most diverse cabinet ever. And we got wars. We got freaking homeless everywhere. We got a dropping economy. We got gas. I mean, it's just insane. But what we got is World War III. On the horizon, if we don't give all of our money to the place where Joe and Hunter Biden made billions, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, honest to God, according to liberals, it's always coming. It's always coming. It is. It was coming when Trump comes. It was, hey, he's going to get us into World War III. We didn't have any wars when Trump was here. I don't know what the problem is. It's always coming. I mean, when Trump was, it's coming. I got a headache. I got a serious, serious, serious headache. Guiltless said Trump just delayed it for years. Well, let me ask you a question. And I feel bad I didn't drive, uh, vote for Trump, Connie. My bad, man. I mean, I know you're perfect. I'm not. Uh, I thought Trump was a pig. There's no way I was voting for Hillary. Uh, Biden is incompetent. There's no way I was voting for that racist idiot. But hey, look, all right. I didn't vote for Trump. I voted for me, and I liked Oh, uh, man. It's always the same BS. It is. We have World War III coming. All right. Let me give you a gambling tip. Don't listen to me right now. It's the best gambling tip I can give you. Don't listen to me right now. Don't do it. I don't know what I'm going to bet today. We have at 1 o'clock, we have Arch Madness, all right? Now, at 1 o'clock, Illinois State, who played really well the other night, is taking on Northern Iowa, who they lost to twice in close games. I'm going to get to the poll here in a second. Illinois State's getting four. Illinois State has a team that they basically piece together that continues to battle and play. Northern Iowa, really good program. 
You know, whatever that guy's name that hit the shot, Farouk Amanesh or whatever his name was, great program. But to play with fresh, do what you want with it. I'm not betting it, but if I were going to bet it, I would take Illinois State getting the four. What I'm going to do is I'm going to sit right there. In about five minutes, actually in about 20 minutes, I'm going to interview for the Big Ten channels, a uh, new show that we've got called Big Ten Legends. I'm going to interview my buddy Uwe Blop. This is how dumb I am. I thought it was yesterday. I got on the I got on the deal and it's today. There was nobody there when I got on the Zoom chat. All right, having said that, ladies and gentlemen, then I'm going to sit, I'm going to eat wings, I'm going to watch Arch Madness all afternoon. Okay, here's the deal. I'm going to bet my face off, but I'm on a bad streak, so I'm going to be very careful. Do what you want, but don't listen to me right now. Mm. Uh, Jim Eagle says, the good news is they're close to passing selective service for girls so our daughters can die in glorious battle for the Nazis in Ukraine. It's amazing. Well, Connie, if it doesn't make sense... uh, I don't know what to tell you, honey, but that's what I did. All right. Who was the greatest of all time? Greatest what, Dylan? Greatest what? This was on the YouTube chat today. Uh, Greatest college player? I'll say Drexler. Greatest dunker? Both were really good. I'll give you Kemp. I recruited Sean Kemp. I recruited Sean Kemp to come to Indiana when he was like a sophomore. All right. (laughs) He was a sophomore. He was sitting there in jeans and like flat shoes. He grabbed a ball. We were just sitting under the bucket talking. He grabbed a ball, dunked it like one of these. Sophomore in high school, Concord High School. Then I watched him in the state championship basically sleepwalk his way towards, oh, I don't know, 30 points and his team lost because he really didn't try. He really didn't. I mean, I wish he tried, but he really didn't try. So I'm going to go Dunker, Sean Kemp. I'm going to go uh, all-time greatest between the two basketball players. We can have a show that says who's the all-time greatest players. A lot of you say the big O. I, too old. Too old for me. Elgin Baylor, too old. Will, too old. I will say this, though. Any list has to have two guys for me anyway. Michael Jordan and LeBron James. Our last thing, Kevin Durant at 25 last night. Kevin Durant made his debut for the Phoenix Suns, and I'm sure his post-game interview went something like, well, you know, man, I don't know. I don't know, you know, they disrespected me. Last, last thing. I want you to think about this. There'll be a quiz tomorrow. Yes, William Felton Russell is a great pick. I want you to answer this question for me tomorrow. NBA superstar, all right? I'm going to say Steph Curry is the most likable NBA superstar, all right? Um, Those of you that are on the YouTube chat, I would like, and there's a bunch of you here right now, Guiltless, Connie uh, Harris, David Renard, Who's Your Daddy, Who's Your Daddy 09, Jennifer, Jim Eagle, Jody Shelton, Outkick King Canuts, John M., Patrick G., Rick Bungle, Ruel Miller, Roger Grismore, Spice Rack. Here's the thing. Is there, the trivia, the question for tomorrow, is there a likable 
NBA superstar not named Steph Curry. You got Jokic. There's not a lot of super. I guess Tatum is a superstar. Uh, LeBron, superstar. I don't think Tyrese Halliburton is a superstar. I don't give him that kind of credit. But is there a likable? Like, man, what a likable dude. Right? Last, last thing, Jalen Carter is back in Indianapolis. The mugshot is out there in the press. He went back to Athens, got himself uh, uh, mugshots, fingerprinted, all that stuff, released immediately. And now he is going to speak, I believe, at the Combine and other places. I got to tell you, if I'm his lawyer, I want to be very careful about speaking at the Combine. I want to be very careful because every single thing that happens, ladies and gentlemen, will be used against you. Also, former New England Patriot player Willie McGinnis is facing years of prison because of his role Uh, According to TMZ, the video was out there. We'll show it to you tomorrow. But this idiot went into a bar and beat the living hell out of some folk. Now, I'm sure this will be, we will all be accused of something when we say, hey, Willie, man. But charges apparently, according to OutKick, eight minutes ago, really good article by our friend David Hookstead is up. Apparently, Willie McGinnis uh, is facing serious felony charges. I mean, he and his dumbass idiots friends walked into some restaurant and just beat the crap out of a guy. Again, it's cliche. It's cliche. We're going to walk into a restaurant with my posse, my crew, my guys, my boys, whatever, and we're going to fight people. Kevin Wolf, thanks for being on here. Networks Basketball Daily Coaching Clinic. Thanks for being on here. Tyler Hall, Stan Presser, Spice Rack. Thank you all for being on. And we got a monster audience uh, on our YouTube chat. Do me a favor, retweet the show. We got to get more Twitter people. But Illinois State, baby. Arch Madness. Arch Madness. See you tomorrow.